Alternative Play. Welcome to Alternative Play, a podcast that explores both the worlds of kink and gaming. No matter what your flavour of fun is, we talk about it all. The podcast where dragons are not the only thing happening in dungeons. So, tighten your restraints, sync your joysticks and controllers, and get ready for some fun and games. Welcome to Alternative Play. I'm JC, your host. For those of you who are new to the show, Alternative Play is a podcast where we introduce you to gamers and game designers who live alternative lifestyles or create game content within the kink communities. Alternative Play will cover topics that are adult in nature, so listener discretion is advised. I am pleased to have with us on the show tonight a member of the kink and game community, Madeline Peterson, who is also known for her erotica and game design under the pen name of Charmscale. Madeline has been playing tabletop games for over a decade and has been in the lifestyle for nearly as long. She's currently working on a computer science degree, and in her free time, she enjoys various tabletop games, writing fantasy erotica, and a bit of light bondage. So, well, Madeline, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. No problem. So before we jump into your writing and game design, let's let's talk a little bit about you. I know you have a passion for erotica, so let's go ahead and start there. Yeah, I do rather like erotica. I like writing it. I don't read as much of it as maybe I should. So what inspired you to begin writing? I don't know. I've just always really liked writing. I started writing just like regular vanilla stuff when I was like probably around five. Pretty much as soon as I knew how to write, I was like writing stories. Um, Not those kind of stories, obviously, but um, and not too long after I basically hit puberty, (laughs) I started writing slightly kinkier stuff. All right. And it seems you do a lot of fantasy-based erotica. What Were you always kind of a fantasy nerd, or was that something that evolved later? I was definitely always a fantasy nerd. I love fantasy books. I read a whole lot of different authors. Um, Pretty much all of them are primarily fantasy. Uh, What are some of your favorite fantasy authors or books? Uh, I'm really in- into Max Gladstone right now and the craft sequence. Oh my god, that is amazing. Um, Tanny Hoff is another big favorite of mine. And Annette Marie, uh, she does a couple of series. I can't actually think of like the names at the moment. Yeah, she she's another favorite. Have you read any classic fantasy, any of the Michael Moorcocks, Tolkien's? that nature i love the hobbit i tried to read lord of the rings and i just couldn't get through the first volume it was just kind of dry i don't know but i really like the hobbit yeah and that's most people's experience with tolkien is uh the hobbit is something that's really amazing it's it's a very intense story for a single book but when you get into lord of the rings i think that's where you mostly see tolkien kind of going on with his because Tolkien was one who was a linguist. He loved various mythologies and stories. And so that really shows in the trilogy because he gets really intense with the various characters and where they're from and their backgrounds. And if you can ever make it through the Cimmerillion without falling asleep or throwing yourself off of something, it's also a very intense book. 
which he started, but I believe his son Christopher ended up finishing after his death. But yeah, Tolkien's great. Uh, I mentioned Michael Moorcock. If you've not read the Elric series, the Elric series is something to take a look at. The Melnabonaeans, which are the, I guess, the race, the culture that the, the books start talking about. Well, they're not kink themselves. There is horrible, horrible empire. But a lot of the things that they do uh, definitely spark the imagination for BDSM and other things. So if you haven't read Michael Moorcock, the Elric series is, you know, something definitely to take a look at. So with gaming, I guess the big question is what flavor of gamer are you? Do you like tabletop? Do you play video games? Do you do LARPs? I'm a tabletop gamer. Definitely tabletop. I do a few video games. I like The Sims okay. And I like the Shadowrun video games, and I'm rather fond of XCOM, but mostly it's tabletop gaming. All right. So what uh, what are some of your favorites? Right now, I've been fixed on Fate for a while. Other big favorites include Shadowrun and Exalted. Exalted's awesome. 5e is pretty cool, but it's not one of my favorites. I just uh, the reason I'm doing a supplement for that is because it's just so popular. Gotcha. And Shadowrun is another... Shadowrun actually just, what, is now in its sixth edition as of about a month ago, which... Yeah, I have mixed feelings about that edition. Yeah, I'm sure we could probably do a whole episode. Like, honestly, I looked at it and looked at the PDF for the core book and just kind of shook my head. Uh, fifth edition was the same thing. They're like, hey, we're, we're releasing it at Gen Con. Come get our cool book. And then it's like, hey, we're sorry that we need 10 plus pages of errata and we forgot to put tables in it. And that's like, what are you doing, Catalyst? You're a huge company. Shadowrun's a huge franchise. Take your time and finish it. Don't like shove things and then expect us to be okay with us having to download errata for it because that's completely not okay. So Or write house rules because the rules make no fucking sense. No, they don't. And if you go back to fifth edition itself so fifth edition finally after it was released they're like oh wow all this stuff is broken none of it makes sense we need to fix it so they published almost another splat book size errata for it and you would think that when they did the second printing of the book they would update everything so you can have this complete tome no that, that wasn't the that wasn't the um the thing at all so very disappointed with fifth although fifth tends to be what i play these days or Anarchy, which is kind of the rules light version of Shadowrun. And you mentioned Fate. Fate is definitely a, a very, very cool game with a lot of material for it from different community people and third party publishers that you can pretty much do anything you want with Fate. Okay, that's what I like about Fate. It's very simple and you can do a lot with it. Lately, I've been thinking it's a little too on the simple side as far as the rules go. It can be, but there are alternate rules to fix that. True. Like true. combat to me always failed in one way, shape, or form. And fate to me just doesn't do that out the gate. Like you actually have to modify the game some. So when they take their consequences and when they go down the, uh, you know, remove the, the stress and all that, you have to like hit them harder than normal. I'm currently running a fate game. And what I'm doing is I'm not really focusing on the combat. Uh, I've got one player who's trying to start up a basically a version of the Mafia. I've got another player who's basically trying to start a cult. And my third player is trying to upgrade this the society's tech level um, as an engineer. So not much combat happening there. 
But no, Fade is great. I'm actually looking at my shelf now and I can see the core system on my shelf, the Dresden files, Accelerated and Core, and a game called Bulldogs. So you run game. Are you usually the game master or are you kind of mostly the player? Because I see that with a lot of people. Some people are like, I'm the game master. I don't like being a player. I can't be a player. And then there are people who just like, I just don't like game mastering. I prefer just to be you know, part of the cast. I'm mostly a game master just because I'm good at it, I guess. <laughs> My friends want me to game master and I do it. I don't play as much, but it's not because I don't like playing. I love being a player. It's just I don't end up doing it a lot. I end up running a lot of games and not playing in many. So how often would you say you run a week? At least once a week. I've got a Shadowrun game going right now that's been going on for, I think, years. I don't know how long it's been going on. And then I've got a fake game that just started out at UTD, and I'm running that. Yeah, that's that's two games that I'm running in a week. And then at the same place, I've got like a West Marches style game going with a bunch of other DMs. We haven't actually run a session for that yet, but it's only a matter of time. So you go by the pen name of Charmscale. Can you tell me a little bit about that? It was a name I came up with for some sort of online game. Um, I forget what, but basically I tried names until I found one that ha- hadn't been used yet because I didn't like having a long string of numbers after my name. I've just kind of been Charmscale ever since. I'm Charmscale everywhere. I'm Charmscale on RuneScape, Charmscale in various other places, and I'm Charmscale when I write erotica. No, I was just kind of curious if it had... Not yeah, really any sort of meaning, no. Okay, because I saw scale at the end, and I'm going, oh, maybe you're part of the you know furry slash scaly community or something. And but obviously that just kind of answers that question for me. I'm not really part of the furry community. I mean, I don't judge, but it's not my cup of tea. Can you tell us a little bit about some of your gaming experience where kink possibly has been added in? So, do you put any of your erotica into your the games that you game master? Not typically, no. I mean, sometimes I'll use the same world that my erotica is occurring in because it's just a very interesting world. But um, generally, I tend to keep my kink and my gaming separately for the most part. Like, occasionally I'll like play a character that's really into sex. Actually, more than occasionally. Pretty much all my characters have been sex maniacs lately. When I game master, I tend to try to keep things clean unless everyone asks otherwise. So I run multiple games as well. But there's always, I don't have that comfort level with the groups I play with to introduce kink into it, which is, I don't want to call it, it's it's not a downside, but it's just being respectful of people that I'm not sure would either understand or want to participate. Um, do you find that within your groups as well, that uh, there, you know, that you have just kind of a lot of vanillas who would just be kind of offended or almost horrified if you started to introduce kink or BDSM into your to your groups? I'm actually part of a very close-knit gaming group that's been together for, I think, about half a decade. So I probably could introduce a few kink elements, but I know my group well enough to know that about half the group would not appreciate that. Um, the other half would, but the half that does not definitely wouldn't. Yeah, it's and again, it's a mixed bag. So my wife is also a um, is a game master as well. But when she plays in my games, like they'll always be uh, just no matter where they're at, there'll always be a slave market or something going on. 
And it just kind of makes me laugh that she's the first one running up the steps trying to buy a slave. And it's just like, all right, well, at least someone gets it. Certain players, especially when you're dealing with a lot of the very old school gamers, you know, you even mention anything sexual and they freak out. Or you get a lot, you get a lot of bad reputation from gamers that try to pull it off, not thinking about their audience. There was actually an incident in um, the UK, not I think it was this year, where um, there was a big internet uproar. Let's put it that way about someone who I guess, according to the players, he immediately like introduced anal rape into the game, and this wait what. Yeah, so no, and it shot through the internet. You had all these people going, oh my God, this person needs to be banned, so on, so forth. And when someone actually bothered to ask really what happened, he basically kind of alluded to, and whether, you know, it's still not saying I approve of it, but he alluded to something happening before the game started. So he wasn't like going, hey, everybody, we're now being, you know, ass raped and all right, roll your dice. It, didn't happen that way but you got a couple of people who decided to go on twitter exaggerate it and then suddenly it became this movement to destroy this guy because of something that that happens that happens way too often oh it does it's and honestly it's um it's kind of sad twitter has become just completely this like toxic especially when it comes to gaming I've seen so many gamers, game designers, and people lose their livelihood over internet hubbub that realistically didn't happen the way that someone described it happening. And then suddenly everyone picks up their torches and there's a, you know, a Frankenstein mob heading to just destroy someone's credibility. Kink and and gaming really have this fine line because if it's done even slightly wrong, you're going to have all these people kind of in an uproar and it's just not going to make things move forward. It's going to move things back. That's that's why if I want to include King in a game, I make sure to tell everyone ahead of time that's what's going to happen. Well, if I'm the game master, yeah. if I'm a player, it's less of an issue. I mean, I wouldn't say it's not an issue, but if I'm planning on including King as a game master, I make sure everyone's OK with it ahead of time. And I have included Kink as a game master in games that I basically advertised as kinky games. Yeah, it's again, if we look at it in the um, the scope of a BDSM contract, you're you're negotiating, uh, you're getting consent, and you're making sure that the limitations are set when the game happens, so people know exactly how far they want to go, or that this is actually even happening, and giving them the option to opt out of it if they wanted to yeah yeah when we talk about my supplement i might mention that i included a section on basically figuring out what your players are comfortable with and figuring out what your gm's comfortable with and basically setting something like that up a contract type of thing there are some things being done in at convention so do you go to a lot of game conventions at all or are you just mostly not really no yes unfortunately i'd love to but i'm broke yeah that's that's well a lot of conventions if you're going to go there to run programming for them a lot of them will just give you a free pass so that yeah so it's 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 good to look into it and take a look at the website because a lot of times if you're going to run like you know even though 16 hours does sound like a lot of time to run a game it's basically broken it's like four sessions 
but most of the time the game convention will give you a um you know a free pass to like you know once you're done game master you can just go around and do whatever you want to do that's always a plus so something to look into definitely definitely i wish i could go to more stuff like that so definitely reason i bring up conventions is that there has been a trend lately amongst some conventions to add in tools that will help people let the game master know that things are happening in the game that they might not be comfortable with now it's very hit or miss and i'll give you my opinion i'd love to hear your opinion on this there's a couple things that is one is called the flower or at least that's what i think it's called and the other one I know for sure is called the X card. So these are two mechanisms that when you're in a game, so let's just say you're running a game and you decide to, you know, you're saying I'm going to run a D&D game, but I have some erotic elements into it. Like uh, maybe I, there is a slave market here, or maybe there is a, a whorehouse or prostitutes or whatever, right? Just whatever erotica or there's um, a dungeon somewhere that's not particularly a dungeon. You go kill orcs in. With the X card, is pretty simple. Everyone has this card that has a big red X on it. And if the game master starts to talk about something and the player is uncomfortable with it, they hold up the card. And that basically means for the player to... Well, I'm sorry. That actually means for the game master to go ahead and start changing the topic or kind of touch on that a little bit lightly. Um, the problem with it, though, is, is that if you have too many sensitive people at the table and all the red cards are flying, then you might as well just pack up your books, put them in your backpack and go home because what are you going to run? The second one, which I kind of see is a little even more, a little bit more intense with the flower is, so you have a flower in the middle of the table. It's, it's an illustration and it has different colors on it. What players are supposed to do is touch a petal of the flower and that petal will let them know how they feel about the situation or the story that's being ran. So you can have everything from a petal that you touch to go, I like this to a petal that you touch that is, I'm uncomfortable with this or a petal that says, Hey, stop. I don't want to deal with this topic. So these are things that are, some game communities, I won't say all game communities, have introduced at conventions. So what are your thoughts on that idea? Well, I think it's a great idea in theory, but I'm worried that that, that adding that sort of thing will kind of take the o- onus off the game master to sort of negotiate things ahead of time to a certain extent. Because the best way to avoid certain topics is to know what topics to avoid ahead of time. But yeah, you definitely do need some need need to be able to say something during the game if something is bothering you. Yeah. No, I like I said, I agree on the point that not everyone is going to be comfortable with certain concepts or ideas in a role-playing game. But in my opinion, I think a lot of that should be negotiated in the beginning of the game. So if you're gonna to come to my game and you have an adults only rating, and in the description that says adult content, you know. Uh, not for suitable for young children, that should be a a flag right there that pretty much tells the person that, you know, hey, this is this might not be for me, maybe for the, my friend who's coming with me to this game. All right. So let's switch gears uh, a little bit and talk about your books. So you have Demon's Lust and A Demon's Child. Yes, yes. Those are my two published works. 
in the spider's web is that a is that a, a published book or is that erotica that's two really really good chapters i wrote i'm probably gonna write a third at some point but it's my personal favorite currently of the things that i'm writing okay and then i i see here that uh, the bottle and alithid's table the bottle is a story about a gin that basically girl opens bottle and gets sexy gin coming out sexy and very traditional which means he's not really i mean this is a non-consent type situation gotcha and the other one you mentioned elithid's tail that's um also a non-consent situation but yeah mind control and stuff okay do you know it, it is erotica it's what it, what you're right yeah yeah it's... yeah it's erotica it's erotica i kind of have a thing for non-consent that's what turns me on so i kind of assume that's well that's what will turn my readers on so is there going back in your writing is that something that was already kind of part of your thoughts before you put it into erotica or did that's is that something that just pretty much kind of came about as per your writing that's definitely something that i've been thinking about for a very very long time like from a very tender age i was interested in like Okay, so you know Nancy Drew always gets tied up in her no- in like her novels. Uh-huh. I got very uncomfortable during those moments. I didn't realize at the time what was going on, but I was actually getting aroused by the fact that Nancy Drew was getting tied up. I was way too young for that sort of thing to be in my head, but it was. All right, so that's probably some of the building blocks that eventually just kind of told you that you were wired a little differently when it came to certain things yeah 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 yeah. definitely definitely it's it's definitely a wiring thing um i am wired to be interested in power particularly that sexual power got it so yeah you mentioned a little bit about and sorry to hop around but you mentioned your bio that also in your free time you enjoy a bit of light bondage so i don't know describe light bondage i'm just curious well, my ideal situation is my partner ties me up so they can't really move around that much and then just plays with me until I come more or less against my will, like whether I want to or not type of coming. It's safe to say that you are more of a submissive than anything else. Definitely. Okay. Definitely. All right. Understandable. But a erotica author putting things down on paper is to actually sometimes work out or go through some of those kinks just to get it out there. And there are, there are so many flavors of kinkster that there's bound to be someone who's going to like read your work and just be, Oh my God, this is what I've been looking for. So, and that's a sad thing too, is that if certain kinks don't exist in writing form, it even goes with the same of porn. There are people who Mm -hmm. have various Mm -hmm. different kinks with porn and you can go on a porn hub, which pretty much has everything you could possibly ever want But if you're really looking for that one individual weird little kink that you have in your head and there nothing exists with it or for it, that's kind of a disappointment. It's like, oh, wow, no one else in the world is into mushroom porn. I just throwing something out there. It's great that you can actually write something like this that also for yourself, but then others who also may share that same kink or that same idea in their head and be able to see it worked out and played out. Yeah, I'm definitely writing for people with the same fetish as me, for the most part. Now, I looked a little bit at A Demon's Child, kind of found it really interesting. I didn't get very far into it, but Saban, am I pronouncing that correctly? 
Yes, yes, you are. So talk a little bit about Saban. Actually, he just kind of seems he's really cool. He's a demon, I'm assuming. Yeah, yeah, he's a demon. Um, demons in this world, because demons, demon is one of those words that varies depending on who you ask. Demons in this world are basically shape-shifting tentacle monsters. In his true form, he's basically a mass of tentacles and mouths and spikes and stuff. Oh, wow. Um, his human form is basically a hot young man because that's what he wants to look like. Um, he's very much a dom. It's kind of built in for him. He's a demon lord. And most demons um, don't aren't exactly the submissive sort. So it's, it's definitely hardwired in for him to be very dominant. So I can see here in the first chapter, I guess, which is entitled Anita, there's basically a point where she's being... Anita is the character whose point of view it's written from. And she's being attacked by a tree at some point, and a lot of interesting things are happening to her with this tree. And Saban just kind of stands around and lets her be teased and played with a bit before he actually comes in and, I guess you want to call it, save the day, or... He's the one in control of the tree at that point. Oh, okay. That's something I didn't pick up on. He's a demon lord that allows him to control other demons. The tree is a demon. Um, I thought I made that clear in the writing, but I guess I didn't. Maybe I should go back and, I mean, I suppose it's already published, so that's a little yeah. too late. So. Well, and again, I'm only reading the first chapter, so I'm sure as, as things go on, you start to make connections. That's very common, too, is that you kind of start out with an opening, cinematic in a sense, and then go as you go on, start going back and explaining why certain things are. So maybe when I you know, finally read the whole thing, I might get a, a better idea at it. Saban, is he someone, is he based on someone from real life? Is he someone just from your imagination? He's definitely someone just from my imagination. Okay, so no, not pals with any demon lords or anything like that. No, no, no. I haven't actually <laughs> met anyone particularly like him, no. All right, fair enough. So anything else you want to talk about on your erotica writing? Anything coming up? Anything new well, or... Well, I'm currently working on A Demon Scorned, which is the sequel to... Well, A Demon's Lust is the first novel. A Demon's Child is the second novel. A Demon Scorned is going to be the third novel. I'm okay. currently writing chapter four of that. Um, I post these on my Patreon and on Literotica and a couple other places. Um, so if anyone wants to check those out, then just Google Charm Scale. Yeah, we'll actually put a lot of your links in, our, um, in the show notes for the, okay, uh, okay. For the podcast. Yeah, so people can... You know, if they're like, hey, you talked about something, but I didn't quite get that when I listened to it. They can just go to the show notes. There'll be a link there and they can um, easily just go back and click on it and get where they need to go. Let's move it on a little bit and get to talking about Erotic Adventures, the 5e D&D supplement. Well, for starters, um, the 3.5 book, the book of Erotic Fantasy, was a huge disappointment when I read it for the first time. Mm hmm. Um, the appearance score was basically unnecessary. Most of the classes were severely underpowered compared to other 3.0, 3.5 stuff. Ditto with the prestige classes. Um, and just generally, it was like a huge, unbalanced disappointment. And I'm like, I want to write something better than that. I can write something better than that. And then 5th edition comes out, and I'm like, you know what? I like 5th edition better than 3.5, so I'm going to write my thing for that, partially because I like 5th edition better, partially because there's not anything for 5th edition yet. 
Absolutely. Fifth edition. And again, it's all preface everyone's taste, but I, I kind of agree with you secretly on that one, that uh, 5e was far more superior than 3.5. I'll probably be beat up at the next game convention for even saying that out loud, but it is what it is. Yeah, yeah, I definitely do prefer 5e too. It's more balanced, but yeah, that that's probably a little taboo among gaming geeks. Yeah, well, they got their Pathfinder, so they can't really yeah, yeah, yeah. cry too much. So we have classes, we have backgrounds, and other sort of things for the, the game supplement. Are these from your erotica writing, or how did you come about the classes and, and such? Pretty much all the classes just come from, you know, inside my head. With the exception of the Chameleon class, it's based off of a, a 3.5 prestige class. A couple of the things are very, very loosely based off of stuff from the Book of Erotic Fantasy that I thought was kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Um, like, very loosely. More or less, I took the name and ran with it in most cases. But, yeah, there is one thing that kind of comes from my erotica, though. What's that? Sabinal Demons. Sabinal Demons. You might recognize the name a bit, Saban. Uh-huh. The basic idea is they're demons like him, not like demons in the regular D&D world. They use sex to feed from magic, like demons in A Demon's Lust and A Demon's Child. And, yeah, you basically, um, you can summon a Sabinal Demon once you take the Sabinal Demon feat, and you feed it your spells and your spell slots, and it protects you in combat. It's an interesting and potentially unbalanced little feature. Um, I mean, I'm really trying to make it balanced, but it's hard. Once you start going beyond second edition AD&D, they really tried to add more of a balance to things where in very earlier editions, balance was kind of like, ha, what's balance? Either your characters ran away from something or they actually tried to fight and die for the most part. 3.0 on gave a very heavy things must be balanced vibe to it. So in my opinion, I think that there needs to be a little bit of imbalance in it because otherwise there's no challenge. But that's just me kind of talking as a game nerd and designer more than, you know, someone who's actually talking to the system. When I'm saying balanced, I mean, like, I don't want the Sabinal Demon feat taking it. I don't want taking it to actually weaken your character. But because you took something that you could have um, used to to make your character more powerful. I don't want it to weaken your character. I don't want it to, to strengthen your character to the point where it's ridiculously overpowered. That's what I mean by balanced. Okay, gotcha. Were there races and backgrounds yes. as well? Yes, yes. There's races and there's backgrounds. Um, the Sabinal Demon race is a race. Yes, it's one you can take at first level, kind of, sort of-ish. And there's a special Sabinal Demon class you can only take if you're a Sabinal Demon, which basically levels up your demon powers. And then you've got Kitsune, which are fox people, mm-hmm. and Bastets, which are cat people and there's a few other races because again there is that community out there who would be very happy to be represented with um some furry characters in there now do you have a a setting and world or is this more or less like hey here's these options that you can add into your own world if there's a setting and world it's basically generic fantasy Um, I might make my own setting and world in a future book, but this is basically options you can add to your own setting and world for the most part. All right. Any any backgrounds or anything like that that uh, you might want to talk about? 
Yeah, yeah. I added a couple of backgrounds. Um, my personal favorite is Diamond Agent. The basic idea is that you're like James Bond kind of-ish. Uh-huh. Um, and you basically use sex to get information from people, um, which isn't quite what James Bond is about, but it's kind of how he acts a lot of the time in the movies from what I've seen. But yeah, you, you basically fuck your way to information and power. <laughs> That's awesome. And you said there was a second one or? There's there's a few other backgrounds. I forget what they're all called. Right. Eunuch is a background. A really okay. interesting one. Midwife is a background. Eunuch and midwife are both. You can only take eunuch if you're a dude. And you can only take midwife if you're a girl. So uh-huh. we've got like two that you can only take if you're like a certain gender. And then we've got a couple other backgrounds. Courtesan. Um, that one, basically high class prostitute. Or yep. low class prostitute. Uh, it's still a work in progress. So, you know, as time comes closer to, to publishing, then we'll, you know, we'll have more of a, a fuller story. But a reason I wanted to bring you on the show was just so we can let people know that this actually does exist uh, for those who weren't able to get on the Kickstarter or didn't know about it. You know, just bring some attention to it because I honestly, what you're doing is great. I agree with you on the Book of Erotic Fantasy, which was incredibly disappointing. And I mean, it had its it had a mission. Yeah, I, yeah. It didn't quite possibly do what it was supposed to do. It actually just managed to upset more people than it did. And not because of the content, because the content was so poorly poorly done. Yeah. Written. Yeah. And I agree with you on the pictures. I mean, most of it was live stills. Of various things, and again, opinion, because I, I, I can be very opinionated about gaming, but I don't like live pictures in my game books. I prefer art, like just, you know, do some art. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To get that point across. I commissioned like a great artist to do my art for me, and I will totally give you the link to their page if you're interested to, for putting at the bottom of like your links and stuff. Oh yeah, no, definitely on the show notes uh, after after we're done recording, I'll just have you email it to me. Okay, and then I'll just I can go ahead and put it on, and uh, we can get that going. So my last question about the game, um, and this is more or less, what experience do you want the gamer to have? Ultimately, we you want to get some kink related things out into the community. You want to be able to give people options where they don't particularly have these options now to play. Uh, kink-related characters or campaigns. But from a player experience, what do you want the player to be able to take home from this? Essentially, what I'm trying to get across is sex is a part of life and you shouldn't be scared of it. I want this to be flexible enough that anyone who is interested in it can basically figure out how to get their kink represented in it. No, fair enough. You know, once once this starts to get out there, I, I have a community as well that will just eat this up. It's something that's needed out there. Are you familiar with, uh, there's this, basically there's a game called Apocalypse World and it spawned like hundreds of other games using the oh, engine. Yeah, yeah, I've heard of Apocalypse World. Okay, because Apocalypse World actually uses something called sex moves oh, in the game. I um I actually have like a sex move system. I did I've never actually played Apocalypse World, but I do have something called sex moves in my system. Awesome. Yeah, and sex moves in Apocalypse World is a currency. So because it's the end of the world and no one's particularly making money in the the old fashioned way, every character class 
has a sex move that they can do that is can be used as currency. Okay. In the game world. So it's really interesting. Some games that I would definitely suggest taking a look at. Um, Apocalypse World is one for sex moves. Monster Hearts, which is another one. Now, Monster Hearts is definitely, it's not post-apocalyptic. I would almost kind of call it the Munsters role-playing game to some degree. But the characters are all monsters, um, whether they be vampires or mummies or ghosts or, or whatever. And they all go to high school together. They use sex moves in that as well. Uh, it's about teenage angst and teenage sex and relationships. But um, sex is also used as not particularly a currency, but you know, a way of getting things accomplished or getting what you want in, uh, in your character's life. So those are a couple of things. And uh, as I mentioned before, I think off the recording, uh, Emily Care Boss does some amazing stuff. Um, Under My Skin is definitely one of the books to take uh, games to take a look at that also gives a really good idea of, you know, introducing role playing and kink at the same time. Okay. That sounds interesting. We'll go ahead and uh, wrap up. Uh, is there anything that you want to say before we, we close out, uh, give a couple of, sh- give a shout out or let us know where um, we can find you. You can find me anywhere. You can find the name Charm Scale, pretty much. And I don't really have a huge number of people I'd like to give a shout out to. Maybe Rob Ogre over at FetLife. That'd be nice. All right. And again, another great resource uh, for finding people who may share your kink or ideas. And I believe, actually, there's a gaming and kink community over there already, if I'm not mistaken. There's definitely a gaming and kink community. I advertised my Kickstarter extensively on FetLife, and I'm pretty sure a lot of my followers come from FetLife. All right. Awesome. Yeah, it's it's a great resource. A little hard to navigate sometimes, but definitely a great resource. All right, Mel. Well, thank you for being on the show. Uh, it's been a pleasure. Uh, definitely, there's, I'm very excited for the, the D&D supplement. Uh, it seems like some of your erotica I'm already kind of thinking about trying to find uh, and absorbing i love good erotica and i especially love good fantasy erotica so uh, that's something for me to definitely take a look for and our audience if you have any feedback on this episode questions you'd like to ask us or game suggestions send them on over to info at alternativeplay.com or check us out on the web at www.alternativeplay.com and thank you for joining us for this episode Remember, dragons are not the only things that play in dungeons, and keep your gaming fun, safe, and consensual. Thank you for listening to Alternative Play. Alternative Play is an attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives, 4.0 international creative commons work. You may share it with whomever you like, so long as you don't sell or modify it. Remember, there is a whole world of play out there. Live it and love it.